Welcome to Mind, Body, and Soul Awakening, a show where we celebrate resilience and inspire transformation. Our guests share their stories of how they overcame a traumedy and turned it into a triumph. I am your host, Stars Tita. Get excited and let's have some fun. Happy day to you and you and also you. I am Stars Tina and I want to welcome you to the Mind, Body and Soul Awakening Show. I cannot believe how fast time is moving. So in this show, Mind, Body and Soul Awakening, it's something you've probably never been in before. It's the type of show that's going to take you from the bottom all the way up to the top. So I want you to put your seatbelts on right now. And it's all about traumedies. So if you're looking at me, you'll see here my book that's coming out in less than a month. And that's what this whole creation of my show is about. I like to share my stories and experiences from other people of how they overcame traumedies. And you're like, Tina, what is a traumedy? Well, a traumedy is when the energies of a trauma and a tragedy collide. When these two energies come together, oh baby, life changes. And most of the time, it's not for the positive. So we like to come in here and just give you that hope, give you the motivation to get through all the pain and push through. So if you've been here for a few weeks, you notice in season one, we had some special guests come through like Glenn Lundy, Barbara Majeski, my favorite pastor, Jeff, and just share their personal story in life, how they had a major trauma and push through. And this season, whew, this season was a banger. We brought up all the traumas, or most of them, I should say, that I went through in my life. We talked about things like divorce, mental health, suicide, things that people just don't want to touch. And I decided for the very last, well, next to last episode, which is this one, I wanted to talk about my biggest traumedy in my life. And that is my sunny boy. And as I mentioned, that's kind of like what the name of my book is, Traumedy. And just in a nutshell, I believe God prepares each and every one of us for everything. And this, as I mentioned, was a major traumedy for me because it was challenging, right? My son, and I always like to begin everything with giving a disclaimer that the words you're about to hear may be a bit triggering. So just brace yourself and realize I'm speaking to you from an experience. I'm sharing this with you so you can understand that you can get through that traumedy. If it's the loss of a son, a father, a mother, a child, you can push through. You just have to really look within. So my story of my major traumedy started about seven and a half years ago. And at that point of my life, let me just tell you, it finally felt like things were going forward. Most of my life was the struggle bus, especially as a single mom raising two children. Yes, I had the support of my family and friends, but it was still very, very challenging. And you've heard the saying before, it takes a village to raise a child, right? And I had an amazing village. I think of friends like Brooke, who would take my son to a modeling job in New York, or my mother and my sister, you know, everyone worked together, even the community, you know, the Mr. Rogers program, that was a major one that really helped in the development of my son. So if you have 
communities, community events, or outreach programs in your area, please support them. Maybe you even start one. So when my son was younger, as I mentioned, I was a single mom and we want the best for our children, right? So there was this program. It was called the Mr. Rogers program. And the boys would meet every Saturday and they didn't allow any women inside. So honestly, I had no idea what they were doing. My son would leave the house early in the morning and he would go there and I just didn't know what they would do. And I remember one year he actually won a bike. He was so excited. And fast forward to when that program was over, he still kept going through school and he had dreams. And I guess being the child of a mom like me, it really motivates you to think big times 10. Think big times 10. My entire life, at least, you know, for my children, I was always into getting better, pushing harder. And I truly believe it began with working for this company called Cintura Creations. And I still have uh, people that I know from that company. And that really laid the foundation for who I was. John Green, that was my manager at the time. And he was so inspirational. He was motivated. He was screaming and yelling and, you know, gave me the belief to believe, to have me realize I can achieve anything. I can do anything. And he would give us these motivational meetings every single morning. You know, I think I'm going to have to do that because that, you know, you got to set yourself up for success, right? And I remember I started doing these motivational meetings and I'd get on the board and I'd have a word, let's say, for example, pride, P, put yourself first or whatever the letters are. And whenever we got to the letter T, I would say Tina's the best because your I am statements, what you're putting in your head is super important. So when my kids were younger, they would always hear me with these motivational quotes and you can achieve anything and you can do anything. So my son hearing this his entire life, he realized he could do anything. And when he was in high school, he started loving sneakers. I don't really know much about it. I don't like sneakers. Okay. What is that? And then in high school, he said, mom, I want to open a sneaker store. And I'm like, to myself, I'm like, what is he talking about? We did have a little argument because I'm like, how are you going to make money doing that? And he's saying his part, I'm saying my part. And I'm like, okay. And Jamal was the type of person you don't want to argue with him, especially if he knew what he was talking about. So I did not fight him on this. He was 18 years old and he was the type of child where he's going to do what he wanted to do. And I didn't even push him to like take his SATs or anything like that, because again, I'm not wasting my money for him to go to college if he wasn't going to do it. But he did start college because he thought that is what I wanted. And I believe each person needs to do what's best for them. College is good for some people. It's not good for other people. But he had that entrepreneur mindset, heart set from day one. He was selling sneakers from the house. I remember one time I was dating this guy and he, he went in the hallway closet and there were like 15, 20 pairs of sneakers and he's opening up the sneakers and he says, Tina, do you know how much these sneakers are worth? I'm like, no, I have no idea. So ever since he was 15, 16, he started loving sneakers, loving them, loving them. So let's fast forward. He's 18. And again, collaboration is the key, one of the keys to success collabing with other people. So my daughter had a friend who knew someone who had a local store in town. And when you have one store, you can put other products in it, right? So they made the connection for him to meet up with this person. And Jamal was able to open his first store with this person. It was a collab. 
And he was so excited. 18 years old, his first story made a post on Instagram. And, and again, mom, nothing to do with it. I can do this on my own, mom. I, I think I probably went to that store maybe once or twice. And I say allowed to go in there because one, I didn't want to embarrass him. And, you know, he's like, I can do it on his own. So I let him do it all on his own. And later on, he realized he did make mistakes. But at 18 years old, you don't know you're supposed to not buy into a business or whatever his issue was with that. I don't know. But long story short, he opened that first store and it failed. And he was like, it's okay. He went back to sell like sneakers in the house and he got his mind together. He got his plan together, made sure the team he was working with was ready, was equipped with the tools and skills to become successful. And I just want to share with you really quick, the importance of believing in yourself. So at the time when my son had this store, I had a modeling company called Elite Stars. And I had this company for probably five or seven years. And it all started again with myself acting and modeling. And then my kids started acting and modeling. And then people were like, oh, I want to do it. So then I just started helping the locals in the area do that. And what we did was I had a studio upstairs. And in this particular building, underneath the building, there was another, there was an empty space. And my son was like, mom, ask the owner if I can rent downstairs. And I was like, Jamal, I'm behind rent, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not, it's never going to happen. He's like, ask anyway. So I asked the owner and guess what? He said, yes, you can rent the space. Now, <laughs> this is the important of thinking big. So when he got the store, you know, he's like, I'm going to put this huge TV on the wall, on the wall. He's going to get this mural of LeBron and Michael Jordan, another mural of Biggie, like all these ideas he had. And I'm like, that's going to be a lot of money. That's going to be a lot of money. That was my insecurity, my small mindset, you know, sharing this to him. And sometimes in life, we just got to shut up. Okay. Just be quiet. And if you don't have anything positive to say, don't say anything at all. As a parent, sometimes we don't really know everything. Most Sometimes it's true. So anyway, he opened this store. It was phenomenal. It looked amazing. Like when he even had one of those machines from, if you ever go to Atlantic City or any type of place where you put the money in and you get to win something, you put, I think it was $20, $20. Yes. You put $20 in the machine and you had an opportunity to wear, to win a pair of sneakers. Now the sneakers were like 1500, whatever. So people would just put the money in again, these ideas. So Jamal was very, very motivated with what he wanted to do. And it was just a great experience for the three of us, the three of us, my daughter and my, my son and myself, we were like the three musketeers and we were always competing against each other. And the brother, sister, oh my gosh, this was the funniest. They were always like, I mean, they didn't really say it like I did this, you did this, uh, but you could definitely feel the energy. I remember when my daughter got her first job teaching at a dance studio, she was probably 16 or I don't know how old she was. She was young. And, you know, as she got more comfortable with the studio, she would, there was one day she just went there and she didn't even do her hair. And her brother, he was like, you can't go looking like that. You got to show up right. But he's like, are you with her? And she's like, okay, you're right. So we really challenged each other to be better. I remember <laughs> there was this TV show called, it was on BET and uh, it was a, music show and they it was with like bow wow and a bunch of other people and 
I'm getting a brain freeze right now, but they had a contest and they were looking for dancers. So Jamal's, he took down the information, he gave it to her and he's like, okay, go for the audition. And she got it. And ever since then he was like, I'm a manager. I can do this. I can do that. And we'd like watch her on TV because she was on it like every week. So again, motivating and pushing each other. And then she was auditioning to be a dancer for the Nick City dance team. And again, the competition was there and Jamal was doing the same thing. So as I mentioned, seven and a half years ago, things were going great for us, myself, the same thing. I mean, I was teaching all over the place. I was in the best physical and mental shape of my life. I was 40 something and at the time I was like, will I ever get married? That was my mindset. It's like, it's never gonna happen. But then my mindset started to change. So I started dating and we were all here. It was like, hey, you know that song from Big Big Pun? All we do is win, 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 no matter what. That's what life was like for us. And then this dreadful Friday night, uh, but I'm gonna start you in the morning. And that morning was like my typical Friday morning. At the time I was teaching a class at the gym five o'clock in the morning. And the gym was about 30 minutes from my house. If you're from New Jersey, everything is about 30 minutes away. <laughs> so I would get up at five, leave my house around 5.30 and boom, I'm sorry, 4.30. Yeah, because the class started at five, forgive me. So I was at the gym and one of the girls, we're still friends now, Deborah Reigns. I love my Deborah. Uh, she was a part of the class and we were working out and we were getting ready for this Spartan race and we're motivated, motivated. So they started great. Then I went home and then actually I taught a five o'clock and then a six o'clock class. And then I probably worked out a little more and then I went home and then I had to get my son, take him to take him to work because he had a surgery and he couldn't see in one eye. So I would drive him to work. So this was like every typical day, Jamal, get up, get up, get up. Cause it's like six, seven now. And I'm driving him to work and we would call these mommy sometimes. And the ride was only like 10 minutes away, not long, but it felt like heaven. It felt like an eternity. And this particular day, he was he, he was always talking, like blah, 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 always talking, talking, talking. And I remember the little Wayne video, the newest video, just video, the CD just came out. And if you know anything about Lil Wayne, it's just like cursing and cursing and cursing. And I'm like, turn it down, turn it off. We were always arguing about the, the screaming in the song. And as we're driving down, I forget the name of the street, uh, He's talking about his girlfriend, Tati, who he loves so much. He was always talking about Tati, this, Tati, 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 Tati. We're going to have X amount of kids and we're going to do this. And it was always about Tati. And in my book, there's a part where I mention, uh, I would, he, we, he joked with me. There's a Justin Bieber song. I think it's called Just Love. Um, but this particular song in the song, Justin says, well, my mom loves everyone. And if she doesn't like, no, no, my mom likes everyone. And if she doesn't like you, there's something wrong with you. That, that's kind of like the gist of the words. So my son told his girlfriend, you know, my mom doesn't like you. There must be something wrong with you. It wasn't true. Not true at all. I actually love uh, and then loved Tati as well. It's just, he was with her all the time <laughs> before Tati it was all about mommy, mommy, mommy. And I would always say, Jamal, you're never going to leave me his entire life. That's rough. So parents, here's a tip for you, okay? If you want your kids to leave, tell them they're never going to leave you <laughs> because it's 
going to go the opposite. Uh, his whole life, I'm like, you're never going to leave your mommy. You're staying with your mommy forever, forever, forever. And he's like, nope, mom, when I get 18, I'm out. And he left. <laughs> and he was with Tati all the time. So that is why, you know, he slash she thought I didn't like her because they were always together. Let me get back on track. So back to this Justin Bieber song. I love the song. We're riding down the road, driving him to work. He's telling me about his girlfriend. He's talking about different business deals. And, and this was our motivation time to just kind of stay focused. And it was February 26th and it was cold. So the windows were definitely up in the car and I would drive him to work. It was down this like driveway. I had to drive down and bring him back because it was down an alley where the shop was. And I looked over at him and he looked at me and he smiled. And I recall there was this sun ray that just went right across his face, similar to a picture that the two of us took once when we were at the train. It's like him and I, we have our faces together and there's this light. But this was actually a sun ray that went right across his face and he looked at me and he smiled and his teeth looked so white. I said, Jamal, your teeth look really good. I didn't ask him what kind of toothpaste he was using, but <laughs> they looked really good. And he smiled and the smile was so beautiful. It just lit up the world. And it's as if maybe he knew that would be his last time smiling at me because it was so beautiful. And then he kissed me on the cheek like he always did. And that was a cool thing. When Jamal was a child, he would never kiss me in public. He would never hug me in, in public. Like I'd go to his basketball games and he wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't wave. He wouldn't anything. I'd just be on the side and he'd do his thing. But when he got older, he would always hug me. Like I'd come into the shop and because I'd go into the shop every day and he'd hug me and that's my mom. That's my mom. And he kissed me on the cheek and he said, I love you, Ma. And then he jumped out the car. And that was the last time I saw him. I never knew, like you, you don't expect a 21 year old child of yours to be murdered, right? So the day kept going on and again, it was a great day. I was working, I had some girlfriends in Princeton and we went out to dinner that night. We went to Cheesecake Factory to like, hey, and we had this wonderful meal. And then I went on a date and then I got that dreadful phone call. And it was very, Normal, you know, uh, I was one of my daughter's girlfriends and she's like, Miss Tina, something happened to Molly, get to Raleigh now, you know, and I'm just like, okay, whatever, because things always happen to my son. It's like, I always say, God prepares us for things, right? Uh, two or three times before then he had very, very bad accidents. He was in a really bad car accident when he was younger. He was in actually, he was in the passenger side of the car and he did not have his seatbelt on and the car rolled over a few times and he was able to get out the car. But they said, if he had his seatbelt on, he would have died. So again, that's just God playing a part, right? So I was used to getting these crazy phone calls. It's kind of like when they say, um, you can't like, that wolf stopped playing wolf or whatever. And it happened so many times. Like one time he broke his nose during baseball. It was always something. So when I got this phone call, it was like, okay, let me go to Raleigh. So I go in and my daughter calls me and she's frantic. She's in New York and she's like, are you there yet? She's screaming. I'm like, no, I'm going. Now I'm like, okay, something must be going on. So I, I'm driving and I knew I wouldn't be able to call all the, I called him and there was no answer. So then 
I called their dad and I'm just like, can you call the hospitals and the police stations to find out what's going on? And then I even called the mayor of the town because I wasn't getting any answers. And I'm like, where's my son? And he said, where are you? And I remember this so clear when he said, where am I? I was going down one and nine right across from Menlo Park Mall. There was a diner there. I think it's called TikTok or Menlo Mall Diner. I don't know. But I was passing that particular diner and I was speeding. And it was after nine because I got the phone call about nine, 10. So I'm speeding. And where I was to where the shop is, like I said, about 30 minutes because everything in New Jersey is about 30 minutes away. So I'm speeding beating down the highway, no idea what's going on. The father tells me he couldn't find out any information. And the mayor told me go to his office, which is city hall. That was close. So I went to the police station and I ran inside and I said, I'm Tina Wilson. Where's my son? And they looked at me and then he walked back very slowly. And I'm just like, what's going on? And he comes back and He's like, what's your, what's your name? What's your real name? And I said, Katina Wilson, where's my son? I'm just frantic. And I have my keys in my hand. I don't have any keys with me, but I've got my keys and I put them down and he's not giving me any answers. Now the shop is about a minute away from the police station driving. So I run out, get in the car. I don't have my car keys. I got to go back inside, get in the car. And then I start speeding down the road to get to the shop. And it's very, very cold outside. It's like, as they would say, brick, it's freezing. And I get to the street where his shop is and I'm driving down the street and I see yellow and black caution tape. I see these lights in the distance, like an ambulance, like police cars where his shop is. And he had a very popular shop in Rawway. It was called East Coast Kicks. Everyone that was in the sneaker game knew about this shop, like in other countries, other states. So I also noticed there's a sea of people. There's lots of people. And now I'm really like, okay, what's going on? So I jump out the car and I start running down the street. And my daughter is still on the phone with me because she called me back. And she's like, I'm not getting off the phone. I want to know what's happening. So I'm running down the street. And it's not that far. It's like a block's length. And I'm running and running. And I just, all I wanted to do was see my son. It's like, okay, I'm going to see him. He's going to be fine. Because as I mentioned, there have been so many things in his life that shocked me. One time I was home and our house was a block away from the shop. And I was home once and I got a phone call. We've got your son hostage. He's locked. Um, we have him and you have to give us X amount ransom money. And I'm looking at the phone and I'm letting this person, this, this happened like months prior to this whole incident. So I'm looking at the phone and I run across the street to the shop and I see, I'm seeing my son. So I'm talking to the phone to this person. I'm like, you're lying. That's not true. So I hung up on that person. The reason why I shared that story is in my mind, when I saw him, I knew everything would be fine. I just had to see him and then I knew he'd be okay. So I'm running down the street and I go to open the shop door and it's locked. And there's a bunch of police officers and they pull me away. They're like, you can't go in there. I'm like, okay, where's my son? And nobody is saying anything. I see people looking and everyone is still. And it feels like time is frozen and nothing's moving. That's what it feels like. My daughter's still screaming, what's going on? What's going on? So then I move, I'm walking around, just asking everyone, asking everyone. And then I notice that 
I see two police officers just standing there doing nothing. So I walk up to the gentleman and he's tall and I look at him and I said, where is my son? And he pauses and I noticed he had the most beautiful blue eyes I've ever seen in my life. And he said, I'm sorry, miss, your son is dead. And at that moment, I knew my life changed forever. I looked at the lady, I looked at him, and I said, thank you for telling me. Now, today, I'm like, that sounds so stupid. Like, why would you say that, Tina? Well, I said it because I didn't know what was going on. So for the time I left my house to then, which was probably 40, 45 minutes now, in my heart, I'm freaking, I'm having these anxiety attacks. Like, what's going on? What's going on? I just wanted an answer. So it's super important that in life that you push through and get everything that you need done. So that was my major traumedy that I went through. And I'm asking my girl Renee to come through and um, kind of see if she has any questions. That's what birthed this book right here, Traumedy. And this is a book that's going to be out in less than a month. And it's the story of how I got through this trauma tragedy, traumedy. And if you're listening to this and you have something that you've gone through in your life, and you're like, how, how am I going to get through? I invite you to purchase this book because it has tools, skills, strategies. I say, if I would have had this book seven and a half years ago, my life would look so different. Uh, the, some relationships would be different. Uh, the way I am today would be different. And I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. I mean, if you can prevent it, right? And for example, one of the things that I wrote in the book that someone told me, thank goodness, you have year one of your traumedy, right? And a warrior mom said to me, a warrior mom is someone who's lost a child. She said, year two is worse than year one. And when she said that, I was just like, she's got to be crazy. There's no way, no possible way this pain can be worse because I felt broken, lost, alone, like, like no energy, just like I physically just had no energy. And I'm that energy person, you know? So it took me some time to get it back. And I feel with the tools and skills in here, it's definitely going to help. So I'm going to bring my girl Renee up so she can join the party. Renee, Renee, Renee. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. I have so many questions about this book that you have written. So I'm going to jump right in. So it was about seven and a half years ago, right? Yes. What was the defining moment that made you realize that this is the time to write the book? Good question. Ooh. So Renee, I have to be, I hate when people say this and I'm saying it honest with you. Uh, this is not the book. This is a book, but it's not the book. So am I the only person who forgets things? Like, I don't even know what I had for breakfast yesterday. Okay. Nothing. Cause I don't eat breakfast. <laughs> but my point is I forget everything. So the day after 
this traumedy happened to me, I started taking notes in my phone because I didn't want to forget anything. My phone would stay by me next to my bed and I would have dreams and I would wake up in the middle of the night and write down the dreams because they were such beautiful dreams. Oh, he was, he would always come to me in his dreams and they were cool dreams too. <laughs> and I didn't want to forget them. So I wanted to write a book about him. And uh, again, that book hasn't happened. So the more growth that I got over the years, I was like, wow, Tina, you've got this thing. You've got it. Renee, I saw other people, other moms who were stuck. I even knew a mom who lost her child and she died. And I remember she went to high school with me. I saw it on Facebook and, you know, they were saying how two of her children were murdered. And I was like, I have to reach her. I have to reach her. And I kept texting her on Facebook and, and nothing, nothing. And then a few weeks later, they said she died in the hospital. And I believe it was from a broken heart because it is so hard if you've lost a child. It's something that you can't explain. And I say this all the time. Once you've lost a child, nothing else matters. Like it, it, it doesn't hurt. And I remember I was working, I would do makeup for this company. And I did go back to work after and I went back to work and let's just say I was working, but I was just like there. And the lady came to tell me that they were getting rid of some people, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I got to let you go. And I said, okay. And she's like, are you okay? Girl, listen to me. Okay. A little makeup job. Like it is not that serious. When you've lost a child, Renee, nothing else hurt you as much. And maybe I had like this barrier up of coldness. So the one, the, there were a few things that made me say, I got to get this book out one for other people to learn, you know, how to push through the pain. And I realized as I was building this book up that it reminded me of how strong I am, you know, because sometimes we forget, I forget all the things that I went through and pushed through. So I'm gonna stop talking. Cause you know, I could talk forever, girl. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> So I, I really believe that that you can die from a broken heart. With really? that being said, you you've had so much trauma and tragedy in from that event. Gratitude must play some sort of role in you being able to overcome those traumas and tragedies. So what role does gratitude play in your life? Amazing you say that, Renee. In church last week, I actually had the biggest epiphany in my life. You, you know how I say the biggest download. I was in church and it felt so good. We're, you know, they're singing. And this was the first time I finally felt okay with the death of my dad, with the murder of my son, with the death of my grandmother. I finally got it all this time. Gratitude, being grateful. I don't, I have to try to figure, I'm going to look it up to see what song they were actually singing but it's like I was looking up to heaven to see them. And I said, you know what, Tina? They were borrowed to you. Think about it. If you borrow a necklace from someone, you give it back, right? You might really like, let's say, Renee, you lent me this necklace. All right. I'm like, I love this necklace. And Renee's like, okay, Tina, you've had it long enough. I want it back. That's how it was for my grandmother, my father, my son. They didn't belong to me. They belonged to God first. And he allowed me to have my son for 21 years. He allowed me to have my father for 49 years. So at that moment, Renee, I was like, thank you, God. Because the song had something to do with thanking God. And I was just like, yeah, thank 
you know, I was getting upset, but that's where gratitude plays in it for me. And, and you know what, God, it, it's a joyful thing because God has decided that he has, he's using them for something bigger and better than you can even imagine. So with that being said, what brings you joy? What brings me joy? I'm going to say supporting and helping others and seeing their growth. That brings me the most joy. I'm going to talk about my girl, Carla. I met her less than six months ago. And where someone began and where they are and where they're going to be. Oh my gosh, that brings me so much joy because it also shows how I'm growing as an individual. So seeing people actually put the tools and skills that I've been granted from God into them to be better and then ready to top it off for a day, not just them, but what they can do for the world because I can't reach everyone. Everyone's not going to resonate with me. That's what's joy is being able to support other people. Good. And, and, Along with joy, I think also inner peace is important. Self-care, mindfulness. What what do you do to bring yourself inner peace? Inner peace. It's a lot, girl. It varies. So that's actually in the last section of the book because inner peace is like the ocean. It's like the clouds. It's always changing, girlfriend. I am on this huge meditation kick and it's wild because I was looking at my Instagram. Like sometimes I love pictures. I love it. Love it. I scrolled back and I saw where in 2020, I was on this yoga tip where I was doing yoga every single day. God, every day. I was like, Ooh, look at your body girl. Uh, so there's various things from yoga, meditation, crystals. I was on the crystal tips. Watching, I got my. I wear seven bracelets. Someone actually gave me this when I left Jersey, and one of the beads broke on it. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So I went to Michael's to buy some more beads, and they had a big old sale. And I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna buy some." And I bought a whole bunch of beads, and I started making beads. But being grounded, Renee, and there's various things. You know, there's so many things that you can do as an individual. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, "I can't do it," yes, you can. God's given you the strength to do it. You just have to reach out and touch somebody's hand. Reach out and ask for support. Ask for help because it's out there. Next question. Your circle. I hear you often speak about your circle, and I believe you touch on it in your book. What can you say about people's circles? You talk about a, a a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Can you tell us a little bit about yes, what yes. each of those are? So when it comes to the circle of life, makes me think of a Lion King movie right there. Mm -hmm. You have people in your life and they're going to come and they're going to go. Mm -hmm. And again, I used to get sad when people left. I was to the point where I was like, I don't want any new friends because I'm going to get hurt. But then again, I went to that gratitude. I was grateful for that relationship. There's people that are going to be in your life forever, but they're going to come and go. And, and my circle has to be strong. Okay. You ever hear that saying you're only as strong as your weakest link. So the weakest link, okay, let's get it together. Come on, come on. <laughs> and I don't think anyone's better than anyone else. I believe that we all have our great qualities. 
And I have different circles as well, Renee. For example, you have like those fitness people that are just like beast mode. For example, when I went to Jersey, me and my girl Maggie, we were hanging out and we would do Spartans like crazy. We were just like, her. she actually got a tattoo of a Spartan on her. <laughs> she showed it to me. I was like, wow. So like, I've got my fitness buddies that'll, I'll say, let's go do this race. Let's go four or 5K. Let's try a spin. Let's try yoga. Let's try CrossFit. Let's try this. That's my, you know, my fitness circle. So having circles that are going to challenge you, that's the most important thing. If you're the highest person, the smartest person in your circle, you got, you got to move on or at least pull some others into it. That's what I do as well. So very important, Renee, that you surround yourself with greatness. And by the way, we do have an amazing tribe. If you're listening to this and you're like, I want to be a part of your tribe, we welcome you. Join our tribe. You can actually text me and I will give you some information. Just text me the word tribe, 732-656-8973. If you would like to be a part of our tribe, we call ourselves the shooting stars. And each person is different in their own way. They are all leaders. And my goal is to be a leader supporting leaders, leaders transforming leaders. Why? The ripple effect like you throw that rock across the water and I just want to change the world and I need strong people around me. And if you're not strong, guess what? It's okay because we are here to help and support you. So again, if you want to join my tribe, just text tribe to the number 732-656-8973. All right, Renee, a couple more. So that is the perfect lead in for what I'm about to ask you to explain. And then I have a follow-on question. The Lionhearted Legend. Please tell our listeners and viewers who the Lionhearted Legend is and <laughs> how he got that name. Awesome. So I do have a picture. I was going to say, do you have a picture? This is the photo of the Lionhearted Legend. I'm not sure if you can see it here. Maybe Renee can put a picture and put it up in this chat somehow. But it's a photo of half of my son's face and then the lion. And his girlfriend, Tati, actually came up with the idea. His He's a lion, whatever that birth sign, earth, um, you know, the horoscope that his sign. So Lionhearted Legend, his girlfriend came up with the idea because he was a lion. He was strong and he had lots of heart. As I mentioned, he was murdered in his shop on a Friday night. Someone actually knocked on the door and said, the police, there were about seven guys in the back of the shop, Renee. And I always taught my son respect. Okay. And when it came to the police, you respect them, you know? So when someone was banging on the door and he thought it was the police. Uh, so he said, open the door. So someone opened the door and there were two men standing there. They had ski masks on their face. So you could not see their face. And each of them had a gun in their hand. So I honestly don't know if he saw the gun or what he saw because he only had, he could only see in one eye at the time. And all of this is on video because there was a video inside the shop, a video in the, there were videotapes everywhere. And the murders, the murderers have not been caught yet. Uh, maybe we can get that number on here, Renee, if anyone's listening or watching, if you have any information about Jamal Gaines, you know, who you think, who you know, because they're out there. But anyway, the door opened and he saw them with the two guns and he had a drink in his hand and he threw the drink in their face and then just started fighting. And I know this because I watched the video the next day 
And as I was watching the video, Renee, let me tell you, I was screaming, I was cheering, I was smiling. I was like, yes, because he was fighting the entire what the entire time till his death. I found out later on from his friend Corey, because everyone had run out of the store afterwards, but Corey ran back and he saw him laying there on the ground on the floor in the back of the shop because pretty much after he was fighting the one guy. The second guy shot him in the shoulder and then they ran away. So he was just laying on the floor and Corey put him in his arms and he was scooping the blood out of his mouth, trying to help him breathe. And when Corey came out of the shop that night, he was crying and he just collapsed on me. I said, was he in pain? And he said, no, it was quick. And again, that brought me a little joy because no one wants you know someone in pain. So when I was watching this video and I saw him fighting like a lion, like an animal, I was like, yes. So his girlfriend said, lion-hearted legend. And I do have something here I want to read to you guys. So a day, a couple of weeks after, I asked his friends lots of questions because I wanted to know everything about him. It's like, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. Because Jamal was different in front of me, in front of his sister, in front of his business owners, in front of his customers, each person he was different. So I got all stories and all different opinions about him, which I absolutely loved. And one of his friends said one night they were hanging out and they were saying, if I died, I would want. And Jamal said, if I died, I want a program named after myself. Uh, called the Molly Gaines program. And I think it stemmed from the idea of him being in a program and it helped him. He said, if he died, he wanted a program named after himself to help young men. So I started a nonprofit called the Molly Gaines program. And it, that's in Rawway, New Jersey. And then we wanted to, I didn't really know much about fraternities or sororities or stuff like that, but you know, in fraternities, when kids do that, thing or whatever. Uh, but the boys wouldn't do that. <laughs> so I thought I'd come up with something called a creed where we could do a repeat sort of thing. So all of his people that he motivated, I said, tell me something Jamal told me to keep you motivated. And we call it the Molly Creed. So I'm going to read it to you right now. The Molly Creed. These are the things he would say to his customers, coworkers, friends, fans, whatever. I will be legit. I will be a man of my word. I will do the right thing. I will have good customer service. I will present myself correctly. I will respect my money. I will take care of my family. I will strive to do better. I will do things on time. I will make smart decisions. So those are things that a 21-year-old came up with to share with his uh, people. So I think that's pretty amazing. So in a nutshell, Renee, lion-hearted legend, that's who he is. And if you're listening, like I mentioned, and you know anything about the murder of Jamal Molly Gaines, you can call 908-966-2287. I believe that's the Crime Watcher's number. Or you can DM me. All right, Renee, back to you. So... I just want to thank you, first of all, because Jamal and Dee, because I've often said that Dee is a blessing. They didn't just magically become that way. They were shaped and molded as young children by watching you and 
and having your influence. So you played a role in that. Thank and I you. want you to know, Carla to know, every listener, every viewer, everybody is a legend. They have the opportunity to be a legend. So what I would like to ask you is, what do you want your legacy to be? Ooh, I like that. I like that. I want my legacy, my legend to be, when I'm gone, I want people to say, Tina, that girl right there, she wanted to build up women. I want to be known for making women stronger. Again, a leader building up leaders because it's so simple, guys. It is so simple. If you want to get a podcast, if you want a TV show, if you want to get married, you just have to make a plan and you have to believe in yourself. Yes, there's going to be negativity on the outside. The negativity may be laying in the bed next to you. The negativity may be when you get to work. The negativity may be your mother, your brother, your sister. I'm not saying to get rid of these people. I'm just saying limit your time around them and just start putting yourself in other circles and trust and believe me, the people that do not fit into your goals, they will automatically just fall by the wayside. And the cool thing is you don't even have to worry about it. It's like, they're, it's like, wait a minute, such and such stop showing up, such and such stop. They don't, they didn't believe in the mission. All right. Cause it's bigger than me. It's, it's, it's huge. So that's what I want to be known for Renee. That's what I want my legend that Tina's that one that inspired me to blah, blah, blah. That's it. Awesome. That is so awesome. I have another question for you in, in the age of social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, you, you name it, there tends to sometimes be um, people can basically present themselves as anything they want, whether it's true or not, because they are hiding behind a mask somewhat. But what I find in you is that you're very authentic and you, and you use your authenticity to uplift and motivate and change lives. So with that being said, how do you avoid the external pressures of uh, caving into what social media says you need to be? I love this. <laughs> this goes back to this morning, Renee. So if you're listening to this, I'm one of those of Birds with Champions. It's the number one morning show in Clubhouse. And I open the doors at 5 a.m. And I had my hair in these beautiful braids because I was going to do a ponytail. Some may say they were beautiful. Some may say I look like Dealey from Color Purple. And I was just like, you know what? I don't care. So I got on camera and I was like, this is who I am. And sometimes I do question Renee, like, should I put makeup on? Shouldn't I put makeup on? But I am who I am. If any of you ever saw the cartoon back in the day, Popeye, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I am who I am. Some people get me, some people don't. Some people don't like me, some people do. It's okay either way, you know? Uh, so for me, being authentic and being who I am is the easiest way. When I was younger, let me tell you, Renee, I used to lie. Yeah. I used to lie to try to fit in or, you know, whatever. Like if someone said they like a certain type of music, oh yeah, I like that kind of music too. Or I like going such and such place. Yeah, I want to go there. When deep down, I didn't want it. I didn't want to eat that whatever it was. I didn't want to go to this place. Now it's a difference in truly not liking someone, something and not stretching yourself. Okay. So not saying I'm not eating sushi. I'm not eating sushi because 
you're scared of it or you've never had it before, that's different than I've had sushi before, I've tasted it and I don't like it or I don't eat fish. Those are two different things. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So when I finally realized who I was, what Tina liked, I was like, okay, I'm fine with this because God makes us all individually imperfectly perfect. I just thought of that right there. So hope I answered your question. It feels like I'm just all over the place. <laughs> no, it, it's perfect because if we're not living our authentic life, then, then it's a lie, right? And we're not the most effective in living out what God's true calling is for us to be. So I love that. Yay, yay, yay. Thank you so much for coming through, Renee. If you're listening, I want you to order this book. You can go to my website, EliteStarsFitness.com. That's E-L-I-T-E-S-T-A-R-Z, as in zebra, fitness.com. And you're looking at this book and you're like, wow, Tina, that is a beautiful cover. Well, this is not the main cover. You see, I'm all about change, all about growth. So when you get your copy, it's going to be a little different. And as I mentioned before, if you want to join our community, if you want to join our tribe, just text the word tribe to 732-656-8973. And in closing, if you know anything about the murder of Jamal Molly Gaines, you can call the Union Counter Prosecutor's Office at 908 966-2287. And just make sure that you look within who you are and realize that you are amazing. You are strong. You are great. And surround yourself with amazing people. This is our second season of the Mind, Body, and Soul Awakening show. And I want you to just share it out. If you feel that it's been a blessing to you or someone else, just go ahead and do that. Anything else you want to share, Renee, before we get out of here? I just want everyone to purchase this book. It is a game changer. It's for any kind of trauma or tragedy that you've endured. One person's trauma and tragedy may be different from another's. It is a game changer. I love it. I love it. Okay, Renee, I usually play our little outro song, but I don't have a piece up there, but I am going to play the outro because uh, I think it's fun. Are you guys ready to hear this outro? Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Okay, we're, we're not going to play it. You know why? Because I can't find it. But that's okay. We'll do the intro as the outro. <laughs> that's okay. We're out. We're out. Welcome to Mind, Body, and Soul Awakening, a show where we celebrate resilience and inspire transformation. Our guests share their stories of how they overcame a traumedy and turned it into a triumph. I am your host, Stars Tita. Get excited and let's have some fun.